Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Calling Tau City, turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring tales to terrify and far-fetched fables. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. This is the Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome. Hello and welcome to show 538. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Well, today, guess what? The daughter has moved out. Yes, she's flinging the nest. She's gone. Oh, man. Hey, what a strange, strange... And it's, you know what it is as well, like I say, with Starship Sofa's been doing this for years there now, so people are kind of, you know, have been there from the beginning, have, have kind of followed, you know, a little bit in, in the, the life of, of the show and me and, you know, the kids growing up and now there's another, you know, another chapter and we hired a van yesterday and did it ourselves, moved her out and she's only... You know what I mean? Don't get us wrong. She's only two mile, a mile and a half up the road, and she works next door to where we live. Do you know what I mean? It's like she works in a dog. She's a dog groomer in the village. So, you know, we're still going to see it. But what a strange, you know, in a room, room's empty there, and it's that's the for me there. You know, that's the kind of the kicker because it used to walk into our room and it was like cluttered and Helen back with mascara on the floor and. Makeup and clothes all just whoosh, and now it's just like an empty room, man. Whoa, what a strange and you know, people you, you have gone through that yourself, you know, a number of years, I'm sure. So, strange times, strange times indeed, wow, man. So, listen, I'll tell you, let, let's get into what's coming in today's show. We have one story, it is Cram Time by Constantine Paradis. Which was original, actually, which was, which is, should I say, get my glasses on tone, original Starship Sova, Constantine, hey, fantastic. Before that, last week, Perion is, well, was, standing at 410, and it was 410 before. We are now 408. What the hell's going on, man? It's crashing and burning. Well, you know what I mean, figuratively speaking. If, come on, support with $2, gets you ad-free, no more ads, you get it 24 hours. I'm talking now on a Tuesday, and this show will go up ad-free on Patreon. You get your own little private feed, so you can just put it in where you listen now and, and get the shows. So surely that is worth, in itself, $2 to kind of get... It's been, for some reason, there's been a load of little kind of changes on Patreon, you know, like people dropping in stuff, and then a couple kind of going in and, and, and helping and oh, e dear me it's got us all it's got us all the all the bits but 
Let's not worry about that. And, and one more thing as well. It has been glorious weather here. What has been going on? Honestly, man, it's just like, are we in the right right time zone? Has there been a bit of a shift in the polar axis of, of the planet Earth? Because we have had, for nearly three weeks there now, cracking weather. Honestly, it's been gorgeous. But a few of them days, I've been stuck at work, you know what I mean? And where I actually work, the, the particular room, it's a darkened room anyways, you know what I mean? We keep it nice and dark because we've got just screens. My desk's got seven screen, computer screens on it. Then we've got computer screens on the wall, big, huge monitor screens on the wall. And it just looks like, you know what I mean? It's all like digital, digital heaven. But it's, you miss the kind of sunshine. And today is me first day off. I've got five days off. And guess what? It's raining. It's fucking raining, man. I've got new sliders. Oh, yes. I've got two pair of sliders there now. New shorts. I was going to record this show and just chill in the garden today. Fucking raining, man. Yeah. Bastards. Excuse <laughs> that. Not potty mouth. Little bugger. Right. Main fiction, like I say, it is Cram Time by Constantine Paradis. Original 2, the good ship, starship's over. Constantine is a writer by choice and a member of the SFWA by compulsion. At the moment, he has published more than 100 stories in a bunch of languages and has written, edited and posed for video games, screenplays and anthologies. People tell him he's got a writing problem, but he can, like, quit whenever he wants, man. <laughs> His latest book, Sorry Wrong Country, is published by Rooster Republic Press. Now, guess what, man? Oh, I am. Whoever got Rish on board for this narration is just one I want to shake their hands. Rish Outfield is narrating this story. Rish Outfield is a writer. A voice actor and audiobook narrator. He can be heard co-hosting the Doonstief Audio Fiction Magazine and That Gets My Goat podcasts, where he and Big Al Yankovic entertainingly waste much of their time. He also features on his own stories on the Rich Outcast podcast. He once got a job because of his Sean Connery impersonation, but lost it due to his Samuel L. Jackson impression. And like I say, Rish, with kind of Big Algovich, has done the kind of the Dune Steve audio podcast. I, I think it's probably long as, as long as Starship's over, do you know what I mean? Quite easily, and just keep pumping it out there, and just listen to this narration, man. It's just like, it hairs on the back of your neck, man. Rish, wow, what can I say, sir? So, the Starship's over is very proud to present Cram Time by Constantine Paradias. Narrated by Rish Outfield. There's your problem, the librarian offered, his raspy voice barely heard over the screeching howl of the cancerous portal that hung over the gymnasium. That's a vocht fall, not a vocht fjall. It's the inward facing downward, not the inward facing out. "'But I guess that's what you get for reading spells off a photocopy.' "'Yeah, but how do we stop that?' Bailey asked. Above them, the clouds were parting to reveal a skyline made from pulsing muscle and toothless, screaming mouths. "'It should dissipate, as soon as it's ran out of organic matter to assimilate,' the librarian offered with a chuckle. 
his host body shuddered, and one perfectly manicured hand struck out at the cancerous growth that housed the librarian's mouth. Blood-red nails raked uselessly at the hardened skin before the librarian rested control back. "'I mean, before that,' Tatak said, pulling back from the window, his fin retracted from sheer horror, his normally smooth and shiny scales all pricked up. Outside, a sheet of black rain had begun to patter against the windowsill, its droplets heavy with tiny, writhing things.' "'There's no before that, child. There is no after that, either. Like a base animal, hope thaw the starving king will descend and eat and eat until he is full,' the librarian said, his voice degenerating into a shrill cackle with every word. "'And then, perhaps, he will sleep like a dead thing. And then—' A million years from now, the distant solar winds will carry him across the universe until some other gaggle of slackers summons him anew to carry on the carnage elsewhere. Or until someone bigger has pushed him out of his turf, Bailey said, her eyes glinting madly. No, Bailey, we can't, Tatak moaned. But Bailey just shushed him and began to flip through the Xeroxed pages of the Necronomicon so fast that the black and white turned into a gray blur. "'What about this one? This looks big enough,' Bailey said. The librarian peered into the book, then said, "'You don't have near enough goats.' "'Then what about this?' Bailey offered, holding up another page. "'That's on Pluto, and it won't bother with you. Trust me, I've tried,' the librarian nodded sagely. "'Bailey, you can't just send something bigger to chase it off. That's—that's that's just irresponsible,' Tatak said, his gills flaring in outrage. A string of Ryle-Yahan curses came pouring out of his lips. But Bailey just waved him away, and finally stopped— marveling at the double-paged spread laid out in the middle of the book. This one looks good, and it doesn't need anything too fancy. Heck, we can get most of the materials from binding, right? Bailey said. Tutok raised his webbed hands and slapped at the top of his head. The librarian's solitary slitted eye widened with horror. That's Azathoth, the idiot sultan, the librarian gasped. He sits in the center of the universe. Yeah, but space is relative, and time is an illusion. So I guess we could get him here in a jiffy, right? Bailey said. Bailey, just... Let's just talk to Miss Ratner. Tell her what we did, okay? Tatak pleaded. She'll give us an F, and we're gonna suffer a bit this semester. But we can just pull some cram and... Damn it, Tatak, I am not going to let this thing blow my scholarship, and Dagon knows you can't afford any more failing grades, Bailey panted, almost hysterical. We blew it, okay? You blew it, Tatak moaned. Outside, a swarm of shrieking, flayed things flew past, carried on a red wind. I just wanted to write five thousand words on urban brain jar countercultures. In Cthulhu's name, Bailey, it's only Sociology 201. Tomato, tomato, Bailey groaned, 
smartphone already in hand, Kafton wrapped tightly around her diminutive form. From behind his desk, the librarian was clumsily drawing his host body to shamble right behind them. "'Where do you think you're going?' Bailey hissed. Tatak had sewn up his wetsuit, holding up his webbed hands to hide the stream of tears. "'I'm sticking around. I want to see how far you're going to mess this up,' the librarian chuckled. His host body shuddered, before letting out its own evil cackle. "'Vulen pakal haish kutul aman,' Bailey said, as she wove sigils in the air around her out of silver filament, drawn from her smartphone's arcanaport. The software fixed the stray lines, corrected the skewed curves and erased any lingering line breaks, forming a perfect seal of summoning. Vutmaga pur lui pinyeg, Tatak added, reading from the book. His lips quivered against the biting wind, teeth chattering between each word. Outside, the starving king's howling grown into a maddening pitch, complemented by the toneless drone of his impromptu cult, began to fade. "'Whoa, Nelly!' the librarian said, peering out from the reinforced window of the binding faculty's blast doors at the diminishing light from outside. Already the naked crowd of revelers had paused on their way toward the starved king's gaping mouth, and had begun to scatter. "'Is it working?' Bailey asked. "'It's coming along,' the librarian shrugged and pointed outside, toward the world of fading light, the creeping shadow that seemed to swallow the sun as it blanketed the Arkham Valley. From above, there was the booming moan of the slavering god, an unholy screech, and then... "'Crunch!' Bailey and Tatak leaned against the window, craning their heads to look at the starving king's gargantuan mass dragged across the skies on mile-long filaments. Azathoth's transparent pseudopoda, each as large as a tanker, grasped the struggling Hoptha. With a flex of its miles-long limbs, it tore the outer god from his place in the skies over Miskatonic Valley and dragged him over the cloud cover. For fifteen minutes there was an awful, wet cacophony, the sounds of some impossibly huge mouth chewing on a slab of undercooked meat. And when that was done... "'Gosh, it's raining,' Tatak said. "'That's not rain,' the librarian offered. The first slab of meat, a side of sirloin the size of a Mack truck, smashed through the Applied Hermetics building and crashed into the West Wing, into the Zoopoic Lab. From the ruins, human-headed chimeras took to the skies, and sentient puddles of flesh crawled to the light, singing their dirge song. Living swarms of color wafted out of their test tubes, and all across the campus grounds, interns were sent out to contain them. When the chunks started to patter down, and the Shoggoths in the enclosure caught whiff of the god meat. Taking this as a sign to commence the mating season, the largest specimen immediately assumed the role of alpha male and began to whoop at the top of its lungs, calling the females to its side. Lesser males tore through their containment units, seeking for more meat to augment their mass. Spurred into a frenzy by the Shoggoths, 
The MIGO transfer student body bloomed all at once as a defensive measure, their heads exploding into a shower of silvery leaves that began to screech with deafening intensity. All across the golf course, deans and tenured professors alike huddled in mock sand-dweller habitats. Rising from the frothing waters of the Severn Lake Preserve, Glocky's green zombie servitors struggled to remove the worst of the gunk before the water got too polluted, even though they flaked under the harsh sunlight. From the west, a swarm of corpse flies rose from the Miskatonic, drawn to the lure of godflesh. From the east, a cloud of mosquitoes burst into the scene, eager for the harvest of mortal and immortal blood. They met in the skies over the admin building, and were tangled in an apocalyptic feeding frenzy. "'All's well that ends well,' Bailey offered, swiping the gesture history from her smartphone. "'Now all we gotta do is keep this between us, and no one is going to be the wiser.' Softly, the binding room began to shudder. In their tanks, the pickled goat-young fetuses began to cry pale formaldehyde tears. From the seventh floor of astrology, an associate professor called out to his sky steed and jumped from the balcony, only to splatter on the pavement. "'What is happening?' Tatak asked, staring out at the shadow that had once again crept over the face of the sun. "'Bailey, what did you do?' "'It seems that the idiot sultan decided to stick around,' the librarian said, forcing his host body to trudge on high heels toward the fanlight, and then added, "'From the looks of it, the earth's caught in his orbit already.' "'Okay,' Bailey said, gesture history wiped. "'That's not too bad. I mean, unless you're an astronaut, am I right?' "'Bailey!' All the astronauts are dead. They probably fused with that thing's flesh as soon as it showed up in orbit, Tatak moaned, clenching his webbed fists. Gods below, Bailey, this has to be the worst, absolutely most awful, vile thing you've ever— From below, there was a titanic thunking noise, as if the secret machinery of the Earth had been jangled by a kick from God Almighty. Across the linoleum floor of the bindings faculty, cracks began to spread outward in a ravenous spiderweb pattern. "'What is that? What is that?' Tatak said and stomped on his wetsuit's chest. A squirt of heavy water shot from one of the suit's hidden pouches straight into his lungs. Instantly, his awful horror melted away into the creeping blueness that saturated his gills." "'My guess is that the idiot sultan has just ripped Earth from its orbit. "'Perhaps he wants your moon as a lair. "'No, wait. He just wanted to get a nibble. "'I'd have to say he didn't like it all that much by the looks of it,' "'the librarian said, and all across the Arkham Valley "'professors of Wiccanism were racked by terrible convulsions.' Spells fizzled and backfired, and thalmic resonators began to fail en masse as ley lines began to collapse. "'It's cool. I've got this,' Bailey offered, her face pale as she skimmed through the pages of the Necronomicon, searching through unknowable indexes, running through graphs, and finally stopping at a footnote in the sources section. "'How about that, huh?' "'Bailey!' Tatak growled. "'Shh!' Bailey said, handing the reference to the librarian. 
don't you dare, don't you freaking dare, Tatok moaned uselessly. It could work, the librarian said, his host body shrugging like a tangled marionette. Or we could all die. I'm not too partial either way. As if on cue, chunks of flaming moon rock began to hammer across the Miskatonic Valley, their blackened surface scarred by bite marks. Fatul! Bailey called out the summoning, the still-beating heart of a manatee held in her hands. Tatak licked his lips at the sight of all that good meat just laying there, but he stayed in the circle, punching in the sound bites from the litany on his smartphone soundboard, recreating the dirge of the dozen-person choir that was needed for the rite. The sea's gone wonky, and the earth's crust is about to wobble. Also, Malta's gone the librarian muttered as he looked down at the mass of praying cultists, dressed in off-white featureless robes, prostrating themselves before the massed effigies of every god imaginable. It was the end of the world, and comparative theology was having the run of the place. Behold, she comes! Mother Space! Wrangler of Sons! Bailey moaned, and all across the world— the glaciers paused in their drift, and in every radio telescope station, every space agency, every secret base that occupied the peak of every impassable mountain, people began to scream as the image of an eye came into view. It blinked once, and the eyelashes clashed together with enough force to register on the Richter scale. It smacked its lips, and the sound sent shockwaves out across the cosmos. The idiot sultan ran like a cornered animal. When Mother Space wrapped her awful tentacles around him, he fought her with everything he had. For a moment, it seemed as if the idiot sultan's blind might could break the grip. But Mother Space simply let him wriggle in her grasp, cooed softly, and then finally brought her wrapped appendages together down in a crushing grip. The god thing was reduced to paste and star stuff letting the earth fly through the dust cloud of clotted blood and titanic parasites that were swept up in its gravitational pull. Entirely by chance, a clump of chittering space locusts settled in a geosynchronous orbit and coagulated into a makeshift moon. There. Fixed, Bailey offered, a satisfied grin across her face. "'Mother Space is dragging the galaxy apart,' the librarian said, pointing up at the darkened sky, the skewed constellations. Below, theology had been torn down in a bloody rebellion, replaced by the mad-eyed heads of the apocalyptic preparedness faculty. "'I'm out,' Tatak said, dropping his smartphone into a puddle of rainwater. He watched it fizzle and finally hiss as it powered down taking the projected summoning circle with it. "'You can't just go, damn it! The entire galaxy is in danger! We need to—' Bailey started, but Tatak wheeled back, his fin flared and glinting with all the colors of the rainbow, his eyes like black marbles, reflecting Bailey's tiny, shriveled form in their depths. "'No, Bailey! The only reason why this entire damn mess is even going on is because of you!' Tatak said, towering over her. 
Because you couldn't settle for a passing grade. Because you couldn't be bothered to do the damn research. Because you were too damn cheap to pay for a proper copy. So you just stole some poor bastard's research and then thought you could pull a parlor trick. And now you've doomed us all and all you can think of is to pull more nonsense right out of your backside. And by Dagon, I've had it up to here with you. I ain't never called any of you surface people a bug-eyed, know-nothing split-toe before, but gods below, Bailey, you are the biggest one I've ever seen. Wow, Bailey gasped, when she was sure that Tatak was well and truly spent. You had that one coming, the librarian said. Tatak whipped around and snarled at him, causing the librarian's host body to regain control just long enough for it to poke a thumb into his solitary eye. The librarian howled in pain. Right on cue, the stars above began to spin into the red shift, as the galaxy began to turn faster by the minute, turning the night sky into a hell of spinning colors. "'We can still make it,' Bailey said. "'But you're not going to like my idea.' Tatak shrugged. Stumbling about in a puddle of rain, the librarian gave a thumbs-up to no one in particular. Bailey flipped through the pages of the Necronomicon, all the way back to the footnotes section. Okay, it's like this. Unfortunately, Miss Ratner escaped into the hidden caverns beneath Miskatonic Valley, along with most of the admin staff and your papers during the... "'Kerfuffle last night,' Professor Jones said. A wave of indignant groans rose from the crowd. The professor waited for them to die down before adding, "'As a result, I will be forced to ask you to resubmit your papers by this time next week. In light of recent events, your word count has been lowered to 4,000 words. And yes, this will make up half your grade, so don't slack on it.' "'I can't believe we aren't dead,' Tatak said as he sidestepped through the rubble that streaked the conference hall. "'I mean, one moment we are doing what we're doing, and then—' Bailey turned to Tatak and gave him a knowing wink, before sprinting through the crowd, bumping and pushing through the students to the courtyard, dashing madly away from the grounds until she reached the dorm room. When she finally looked up, Tatak's voice came from behind her. "'Awful humble all of a sudden, aren't we?' Bailey jumped a foot high into the air, screamed, and finally collapsed in front of the dorm building, wheezing. When she had finally caught her breath, she asked, "'How... how did you... "'You never turn off your positioning. "'Also, you're a crap runner, Bailey. "'Now what did you do back then?' "'Well, you know how all of this kind of sort of got started?' "'Calling increasingly bigger gods to deal with the last one?' Bailey muttered. "'Uh-huh.' "'And and you know how Professor Willoughby told us all that stuff about the macro level of existence and all? "'About how, beyond some point, some things become impossible to perceive?' "'No.' "'And you know how there's all this sort of room going up?' "'Bailey.' No, 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 no. So I thought, why don't I just call the biggest one I could muster and let Mother Nature take its course, you know? Bailey said with a nervous chuckle. 
Tatak unsheathed his talons and raked them across his face. His scales clattered like castanets. Finally, he added, How big, Bailey? It's okay. I don't think it even knows we're here. Not any of us. You mean Earth? Think bigger, Bailey said, and Tatak dropped to his knees, a low growl rising from his throat. We should be okay, as long as we don't make too much noise. And we've got space. Thirteen billion light-years of it. We can make it work, right? What about the librarian? Does he know? Tatak said, wide-eyed. Sure he does. But then he just got sacked to account for the cutbacks after the entire mess. And it's not like he can do anything. He can barely make do with his host body, and he's going to need to keep quiet if he's ever going to find another job in this economy, Bailey said. So, that's it. It's all sorted, just like that, Tatak said, chewing his lip. We still have to write that paper. Unless you want to try something else. Bailey grinned. Tatak just dumped his notes into her arms and dragged her all the way up to her dorm room. This time... Bailey and Tatak settled for 5,000 words on Native Earth Great One cult culture, which got them a solid C. The end. There you go. Don't forget, copyright age. Constantine Ernst, by the way, Starship's over. There you go. Big thank you to Constantine. Constantine, what can I say? Huge thank you. Thank you so much indeed. And Rish, ho oh, Listen, thank you so Man, like you see, hairs on the back of the neck. Thank you so much. So that is today's show. Nice, short and sweet there. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, I know I'm kind of harping on, but it does, honestly, it does help with just the support. And it, it's like a community over there, and it really helps, you know what I mean? And it's get in touch with us, say hello, do you know what I mean? We're putting the red dwarfs out there, and I'm, eventually I'll get round again. I've got it all sorted out, the kind of the new John Brummer album. Album. I'll tell you what, why I've just said the word album there. I've been going through a, a spate of listening on Netflix to, and actually I think Now TV as well, to music documentaries. And I'm just going through now the Eagles, their, you know, conception and birth and, and demise and then the, the kind of reinvention or the re, reforming. Man! Do you know what I mean? Oh, that is just absolutely fantastic. It's just interesting. I'm fine. I'm, I've never listened, you know, I watched on TV anything like that before, you know what I mean? But I just, I'm really digging them. I watched on Netflix, is it, it's Peter, Peter, Paul and Mary. That's right. And because they sang the song 500 Miles, which I love, you know, 500 Miles Away From You. Oh. And just to, to go through what, you know, because I've just heard them in on the kind of background, the fringes of, you know, that era, you know, the kind of the, the very early 60s. But what they got up to, you know, and like the kind of political stance, you know what I mean? All the, the, the kind of fighting for equality and everything like that's just, I didn't, I've had no idea. And like I say, the, you know, the kind of, the start of the journey, this journey of, of theirs in the kind of the beatnik, you know, the, the kind of very early 60s and, you know, in Greenwich Village. And that was a, just an amazing story as well. And I'm loving it. So, and I've realised on Netflix, there's a whole, there's a whole load. So if it's raining, I'm, well, I'm going to finish because 
the Eagles documentary is three hours long. You know what I mean? So, and I think what happens is it breaks it up into the reunion. They do a documentary on the reunion again after 14 years. So, as soon as, as, soon as I finish here now, I'm going to, I mean, I'm in pyjamas. I'm going to go and get a coffee and a bit of toast. And I'm going to sit down and it's just my time. I've got a list as long as my arm to do in the house because it's raining. And I've got the hoover and I've got this and that and bloody the other to do. And, but I'm going to have a little bit of my time. I'm off today. So, all that was because I started off to say support one Patreon. Honestly, just $2. That's what, you know what I mean? Just as many folk as possible can just do that little thing. Do you know what I mean? That's what I've kind of worked out throughout the, the years. If it's just a little $2, you don't, it's, you know what I mean? Honestly, man, I could look in this little box here. I've got a box on me. I've got two boxes on my desk, actually. There'll be change in there. You know what I mean? Just $2. You don't notice it. You don't miss it. But it just, if many people do that, it's just rock iron solid. You know, gunmetal solid. If, if, is there a description like that? That's why I'm the writer. To kind of keep the bedrock of, of the sofa and tears to terrify going. So, there you go. Go and watch The Eagles. What a great document. Recommend that. And Peter Paul and Mary. There's, I'm sure there's a Led, Zop, Led Zeppelin one as well. Yeah, I'll just... I'll tell you this while I'm here because I thought that was really good. The on the first album, maybe the second one as well. The the use and I forget his name there now, but he he produced the he produced the Who in Led Zeppelin. You know, he was a, it's a UK producer, and you know this Californian American rooted band. He brought them over to England. You know, where in the studio where Led Zeppelin played, and. Where that you know where he kind of recorded who albums, and they were recording one track, and it was Don Henley, the drummer of the Eagles. You know he was asking for microphones all next to his drum kit, everywhere around his drum kit. And this producer, I forget his name there now. Oh damn it! Only you give him one. Do you know what I mean? And because he basically because he he just produced Led Zeppelin and John Bonham. <laughs> only needed one mic he kind of banged and thrashed that drum kit to Helen back and Don Henley said I can never hit it never in a million years hit it as hard as that guy did so he wanted loads of little kind of microphones all around and John Bonham just kicked the shit out of his drum kit I just thought oh, that's a great little tale in the kind of rock and roll industry watch that Eagles thing man hey it's fantastic until next week just like I say good night from me This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening.
fast I'm moving slow So I'm waiting on your call at home with nowhere to go Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio I want to talk to you I want to talk to you Myself on a radio wave, I might get to you someday. If books were rocket ships, I'd need only the will to fly. I'm still building word by word, and I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. 